Well, uh, good morning from me, and thank you, uh, Joe, for uh, leading and reading. Um, <coughs> excuse me. My part here is to uh, lift up the Lord Jesus, so everybody listening at home, maybe for the first time, or maybe for the 500th time, we worship the living God this morning. I, I, I've got some children, and I would be the worst parent in the world if I didn't judge harmful things in their lives and banish them. It, you just don't get love without judgment. Just, it, it's not a real concept. And um, here in church, we want to meet the living God and bow the knee to Him in all new ways every week, learning about Him. And I was saying to a friend yesterday, the gospel is really this. Lord Jesus Christ, crucified for sinners, died the death they deserve, rises again. And we live that life together. And I, as one of the teachers here, am to hold like a prism up to that sentence and so it just shines in numerous ways into our lives. And we learn each week new ways that the gospel affects our lives. And what the Lord has done for us. And if you're not a Christian listening, uh, maybe for the first time you can see what the Lord has done for you. And for the next few weeks, as we hold the prison up, prism of the work of Jesus, we are coming to judgment passages <clears throat> where the Lord judges evil. And you might be tempted, especially if you're not a Christian, to flick the channel and come back to the good bits about love. But remember, a bad parent just lets evil go and their children do what they want and allow harm to come in. Stay with it, and we will learn new ways to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I was talking to an elder yesterday, and he said he was listening to a podcast, that's like a radio show, of some Welsh people reflecting on their chapel upbringings. And they did it, and uh, they weren't Christians, but they were dragged to go to church. And they said the most profound thing. They said, how did those chapels make the story of the resurrection so utterly boring? And that's a tragedy, isn't it? It is. Many of us uh, have made it boring. Do you, want, do you want to know why? Because the teachers were bored. And the old chapels which have closed, so many of them were just bored with the message. Do you know why? Because they didn't teach all of the counsel of God and learn new ways to bow the knee and see fresh ways in which the Lord Jesus is glorious. And a massive part of that is judgment. So don't change the channel. Learn new ways about this wonderful gospel. Now, um, uh, when I was a young... Th there's... We're coming to the judgment passages. How do we handle them? When I was a young Bible uh, student, there were a few things that changed my life about judgment and reading it in the Bible. The, one of the main ones was this. I started to read the Old Testament the way Jesus wants us to read the Old Testament. And then I learned the judgment in the Old Testament wasn't just for the sake of it, because there's some vindictive God that just loves to punish evil. There was a reason for it. And when you read the Old Testament the way Jesus wants us to, you start to see why God judges people. And here's the way Jesus wants us to read the Old Testament. I remember these verses hitting me like a brick when I was younger. In Luke 24, it says, um, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, that's uh, Exodus, Jesus taught everyone all the things in them about himself. 
I was like, what? The, the, Jesus in the New Testament says the book of Exodus is about him. And then also in Luke 24 it says, and what is written in the books of Moses is that the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's the New Testament. And Jesus is like, no, that's the, obviously the Old Testament message as well. I'm just coming to finish it. In John chapter 5, Jesus says, if you believe Moses, he lined up the Bible teachers of the day and said, if you believe Moses, you will believe me because he wrote about me. And then the apostle Paul in Acts 26 says, I'm saying nothing more than what Moses and the prophets taught, that the Messiah is going to rise again from the dead and bring light to the world. And so we're approaching judgment passages, and therefore it is all about the Father who's sending His angel of the Lord to get church out of Egypt. Why? And He's going to judge Egypt. He's going to judge Pharaoh. But why? Because when church is allowed to do what we do and praise God, the world gets saved. And any rogue tyrant like Pharaoh or Egypt who tries to annihilate church, the Lord God sends His divine angel in. That's Jesus in the Old Testament. In He comes, take them out. Why? Because 1 Timothy 1 says, or 1 Timothy 2 says, God wants the whole world to be saved. And if some nut job like Pharaoh comes up with his evil schemes and tries to block it, down he goes. And that was one of the biggest things that changed my life and helped me worship the Lord God. Um, but there's one big thing that I want to draw out this morning with that in mind. And it's people that... Um, basically like the New Testament but not the Old Testament. And I don't know if you've got neighbors or family that don't want to become Christians and they sometimes say things like this. I like the God of the New Testament but not the Old Testament. Have you met people like that? Or maybe you thought it yourselves. Hang in there because that's what we're going to tackle this morning. Um, what they need to realize here is, and this is going to bring me to my main point. In the New Testament when Jesus says we worship our Father, he's talking about the God of the Old Testament. He's calling everyone to worship the God that they all had in their Bibles before, which was the God of the Old Testament. When Jesus says, Our Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. What's the God that he's teaching them about? It's the one here. Okay, same God, same message. But here's the whopping point I want to draw out today as I call us all to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. The biggest point we miss if we say, like the New Testament love stuff, don't like the Old Testament judgment stuff, here's what we miss, and it will lead us to have a malnourished view of God and a boring worship, which isn't really grounded in anything. What they miss is this. In the Old Testament, most of the time, the one sent to do the judging against evil is God the Son, the angel, the divine angel Jesus. It's him doing it. The angel of the Lord sent to judge. So that very Jesus that we love in the New Testament is right here stepping in to rescue his church and banishing wickedness. And in a few moments I'm going to tell you why that should be cause for praise. 
But I want to tell you this week, or in the last two days, I read the book of Two Kings. I don't know if you know it. It's a fascinating thing. In 2 Kings chapter 1, 50 men gathered together to basically do devil worship. And it just says, and along comes the angel of the Lord, and he just cuts them dead instantly. That's the Son of God, Jesus Christ. In 2 Kings chapter 19, and remember now, I'm just trying to give us a real view of who the God of the Bible is, so we don't imagine one. In 2 Kings chapter 19, there's a king of Assyria trying to kill church again, get rid of them, I hate them, and he says, who is your Lord? And I'm listening on my audio Bible going, I wouldn't say that if I were you. I know who this angel is. I wouldn't do that. In fact, yesterday I was watching the West Wing. Don't know if you've ever watched that. But at the end of the West Wing season two, President Bartlett of the United States of America walks up to the front of a church on his own and he calls God, you feckless thug. Who are you? And I'm like thinking, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't go there if I were you. Because I've just read these passages. I wouldn't do that if I were you. And in 2 Kings 19, uh, here's the king of Assyria. Who is your Lord? And lo and behold, and it came to pass that night, the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000 soldiers cut down. That's the God of the Bible. And today, Jesus Christ is going to cut down and judge 155,000 people. That's how many people die a day. And many of them are going to meet the living God as an enemy. And they'll be judged. That's what the Bible says. Not as a savior, because they wouldn't bow the knee. So, Lord God, in the next few weeks, may we see things about your son Jesus and what he has done to save us. Because we deserve judgment. Lord, enlarge our view of what you've done for me so we can really praise you. Because I'm no better than Pharaoh. I'm as evil as him. So here we are. The second half, therefore, is Pharaoh is about to be judged. He's in the prelim stages before the plagues come. And there's a good reason that he's going to be judged. He's been rejecting the seen Lord who's been appearing to Moses and saying, get my church out of Egypt. I need my church to come and worship my father. That's in chapter 3. Church, come and meet my father on the mountain, and then the world will be saved. And Pharaoh has been rejecting that. And um, here, in the passage Joe read, Exodus 6, 6-7, this is the message that Pharaoh is rejecting and why he gets judged. Therefore, Moses, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with my outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. And anybody listening today, if you come to Jesus right now in your seats and say, Lord, save me, I want to be part of that movement, you will be saved, and he will be your God. But Pharaoh says, no, 
and judgment falls upon him because he rejects the Son of God, the angel, the message, and he will not let church go. And God wants church to save the whole world, so he's got to go. Who's doing the judging, Owen? Just remind me one more time. Let me just give you some verses to really shape our view of Jesus. In John chapter 5, even those that die today, listen to this. Not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son. Jesus judges. Jesus is the judge of the world. In Acts chapter 10, And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly testify that this, the one, Jesus, has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. All of the prophets bear witness to that. So the last part is, as Pharaoh's picked a fight with Jesus, and he's about to lose and be judged, and someone listening here, this might be your last day on earth, and if you don't know Jesus, you're going to lose and be judged because I love this church. It's my duty to say how can we escape that judgment we deserve. And so my final bits are, what exactly does Pharaoh do specifically so we can not do that? And this is the last section of the sermon. And Joe read it. In chapter 5, the whole chapter is taken up with Pharaoh persecuting the church of the living God with a harsh regime. Not only that, he hates the Lord God and his people. And he has frightening self-esteem. Chapter 5, verse 2, Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Now, in your house groups, you can have fun studying this term voice of the Lord or word of the Lord or logos or the Messiah. What I want to draw out here is he has an astonishingly high view of himself and he views himself higher than Jesus. That's worthy of judgment. Also, he's a liar and he doesn't admit his need for God. My dad used to say to me, Owen, you will not lose anything by being honest to God. So as a little boy, I've just always told God what I feel. Sometimes I've got problems with God and his Bible, and, but I ask him to help me through it. But Pharaoh, he's like, who is this Lord? And he just masks his issues and funnels them into anger. He knows full well who the Lord is. And he's lying. The English Bible here doesn't help us see this. But Pharaoh, when he says, Who's, what's the name of the Lord? Who is he? He knows full well who the Lord is. And he's going to be judged for rejecting him. Let me just teach you how I know he knows. Church was under Egypt for 400 years. What does church talk about? The Lord God. Um, they would have been talking about how the angel brought them out in Genesis and Jacob wrestled with the angel and said, you're the Lord God, please protect my family. They would have been talking about that in Egypt. It would have been written in the libraries. Joseph basically formed the prosperity of Egypt 400 years before and 
Pharaoh in chapter 1, the new evil one, he knows the believers and he puts them in cities on their own. Why would you do that? Because they talk about stuff you don't want to hear. Have you ever met this person? I wish I had your faith. I just can't believe it. You're like, no, you don't wish you had my faith. You could believe it. You know all about the name of the Lord. You just don't want to bow the knee. That's the issue, isn't it? Usually behind people who say that, that's Pharaoh's problem. Now let me tell you one more slightly complicated bit, and then I'm going to close. There's a bad English version in the NIV, and it says this. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord... I did not make myself fully known to them. Did you hear that bit when Joe read it? What does he mean? He didn't make his name known to them. So maybe Pharaoh is right in saying, I don't know who the Lord is. Maybe he shouldn't be judged. Well, that is a bad English version. And if you've got a good Bible, at the bottom, it will say, footnote, also means, by my name, the Lord. Did I not make myself known to them? In other words, the message to Egypt was, wasn't I known to them through my people? Of course I was. My name has been known. um, In fact, Genesis 4, Adam made love to his wife Eve. She became pregnant and she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a son. That's Yahweh, the same Lord here in Exodus. Seth had a son and named him Enosh. And at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Genesis 15, the Lord, Yahweh, has told him to go and take possession of the land. Same name. So a good version is this, and this is why it matters. You know full well who I am. My name has gone out to the world. But here's why he's judged. In his heart, quietly, When Moses brought the name of the Lord to him, he thought this, I am greater than that Lord. I know who he is, and I hate him. He wants me to order my life his way. I hate him. His desires conflict with mine. I hate him. He wants me to spend my money on things he wants and date who he wants me to date. I do not want to consult with him. And in his heart, he hated Jesus and his church. And so he rejects it. And judgment falls upon him. And lo and behold, in Psalm 95, and this is a message for us all, it says this, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. See, no one here can hear the name of the Lord Yahweh, the I am, Jesus, and remain unchanged. Pharaoh took one step back. The Lord God wants us to take one step closer. Lord, I come, forgive me, melt me, mold me, bring me in. And Joe closed with reading chapter 7. The Lord says, right, I will harden his heart too. And that's the scariest thing 
you can read in Exodus. You read it in Romans 1 as well. The Lord God, there's a point where he says to nations and countries, okay, have it your way. And that's hell on earth, where the name of Jesus is just blotted out. So my final question is this, and I end rather pointedly, why am I here? It's to warn everybody listening and to teach the word accurately, come to Jesus now with all of your sins and mess. There is only judgment outside of the life of Jesus. See him at Calvary in your place where Pharaoh refused to trust in the Messiah. You can see him hanging there in place of sinners. And you can say, Lord, save me. Give me a soft heart, Lord. Pardon me with your blood. Let me not reject your word or your church anymore. Give me love for Jesus where I have been cold. Bring me out of bondage and sin. Don't judge me. Make me a fruitful, godly member of your church which you protect so fiercely here. And if you are a church member, rejoice. You're safe in the arms of this Jesus. My friend, he's in a bad way in hospital. And I text him this last night because he's a Christian. I just read 2 Kings 19 where Jesus assassinates an entire army because they're messing with church members. Isn't it good that as you lie there in the hospital bed, that same fist is now an open arm around you, keeping you safe forever. And that's what I want for everybody listening now. Jesus welcomes you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. Amen.